Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Welcome to today's interview with Trent Austin. This interview is from June of 2020. You'll notice that Trent certainly doesn't lack energy or enthusiasm for whatever he's talking about. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this interview, but first, this. Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes. Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at EastmanWinds.com and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at seshires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at pickettblackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at pickettblackburn.com and that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com slash studiohfl. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support, and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell. Well, welcome. It's good to be here. Thanks for the invite. You meet so many people uh, at ITG conferences. Uh, you know, I saw you a couple years ago uh, when you joined uh, Thomas Gonch on stage. Oh, no. Yes. That, was, that, was that Hershey? Was that the ITG and Hershey? I- I, you know, they all blur for right. some reason. Um, and, but yeah, I think that was Hershey. Yeah. And it was one of those things that, you know, we go way back. He's a dear friend. Uh-huh. And uh, and I was like, yeah, I think I know that tune. But I really didn't <laughs> know that tune. Yeah. And, uh, it was a good learning lesson. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, he's the best. So Well, that's that's the first I had, had heard your name. And of course, you walked on stage and just tore it up. You know, it was it was really cool. Uh, to watch the, you know and then all of a sudden i see your name everywhere and uh i'm thinking okay so this guy he's been around a little bit he may have quite a bit to offer so you know Bam in the world one one person at a time so. <laughs> yeah well let's see how long it takes you know to, to actually accomplish everybody but i so. always joke i joke with my employees it's like you know you drive by a sign of mcdonald's billions of billions served and it's like drive by the sign of acb dozens <laughs> right but, uh, no yeah, yeah. different, different yeah. 
different strokes for different folks. So uh, where are you? Are you, uh, I know you said central time, but where exactly are you? Yeah, um, the shop's in Kansas City. Um, we moved here about two years ago. Um, we were on the East Coast uh, our whole life, but my wife works in the government and we lived in Boston for 20 years and loved it. Boston's a great town, great music scene, great food, great, you know, everything, except incredibly high cost of living and, yeah. and a very bad uh, transportation system. So her old commute was 12 miles. And um, are you in Indianapolis? Is that where you are? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay, yeah. And so we're lucky because Midwestern cities, for the most part, are, are pretty chill. But uh, she lived 12 miles from where she worked. And that was as far as we could get that we could afford because everything else was like crazy expensive. Right. Um, and a good day would take 55 minutes and a bad oh, day would take an hour and a half one way. So it was just draining and, and was just ripping. You know, It's time that you can't really be productive. The public transit um, didn't allow like a really good system. You'd have to go from a commuter rail to a regular subway to a bus to your stop. So mm -hmm. it, it just didn't, it didn't work. So she ended up driving, but when you're driving and you're sitting in traffic, yeah, you could listen to audiobooks, but it's still like this sort of driving. Her commute now is nine minutes. So, uh, you know, just imagine if we always say like, what's the most precious commodity that we have? Mm -hmm. uh, it's time. Yeah. And just imagine someone writing you a check for two hours a day or an hour and a half. Here's, here you go. Here's your check for, for today. And you get a mm -hmm. bonus. Now we're trumpet players. So we'll probably waste it either way. But, <laughs> well, I know I would, but the thing about it is it's just that sort of ease. And for, for us, we do 90% mail order. Mm -hmm. uh, and now actually uh, uh, with COVID, we're doing a hundred percent mail order. Uh, right. Uh, curbside to a small extent, but, mm -hmm. but we're still mail order. So being in the central part of the country is actually quite advantageous. Uh, Woodwood and Brassman Guitar Center, what a the big conglomerate, right. their warehouse is like four miles up the street from us. Mm -hmm. um, so everything's two or three days max to, to the continental US. So that, that's really nice. That's good. So yeah. I, I want to go back. You said that sure. her, com her commute now is nine minutes. But it's still 12 miles, right? It's just that she said, no, no. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to have a yeah. talk. So, yeah. so, you know, our car was that fast. No, yeah. it's actually, we, that's the other thing. It's like, um, we decided, uh, she works at the Truman Library and um, we decided to live in the same city that where she works because mm -hmm. we can do that. Because you can. Um, because you can. And so we're technically, we don't live in, uh, Casey, we live in Independence, which was Harry's, uh, he w wasn't born there, but it was his hometown and where he mm -hmm. lived and, uh, you know, and he helped build the library. It's super, super cool. But um, Independence is, it's kind of a rough town, um, but we live in a, a really nice area and we we're laughing because, you know, the, the cost of living out in the Midwest. Right. So great. I'm That's just great. like, so we we're very fortunate in that regard, uh, but yeah. her I think she's like five miles. Her commute right now is about ten paces from the the, the kitchen table to her home office because oh right, <laughs> uh, like everybody else, exactly. uh, uh, things have changed a great deal. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I'm thinking uh, there might not be a whole lot of great barbecue places 
on the East ah, Coast. But not many. Now uh, oh, you've probably visited, uh, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky I'm not 700 pounds. And, and, and yeah, I invited so we, uh, my, my shop manager lives in Independence and one of our really good uh, friends and cu customers of our shop lives in Independence. So mm -hmm. we ended up uh, having a, Indie, an indie trumpet hang this weekend, not a different indie. Sorry, yeah, right, right. But I should I should preface that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, and uh, but I may I I smoked up some ribs and everything, and it's like mm. a lot of pressure. You know, it's like one of those things. If I had if I was just smoking at home in Saugus, Massachusetts, it's like you know anything is possible right. in in the East Coast. It's kind of like seafood out here. You don't get it because <laughs> and you might not it's want it. Just not smart. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I grew up on the coast in Maine, and my grandfather was pulling lobsters out of traps. So, you know, you get ruined very quickly. <laughs> Same here. It's like you go to, a, you know, the big barbecue places are, are just like, okay, well, you go to Joe's. Mm -hmm. You go to Arthur Bryant's amazing gates. Eh, but it's amazing. That's the thing. It's like, it's eh, okay, but it's, but it's still amazing. And then yeah, there's yeah. some really incredible places. The one I love is this place. It's a hole in the wall, um, and it's uh, called LC's. It's uh, maybe three or four miles uh, south of here, um, mm -hmm. and, and you know the smoker is inside the building, and you know this right. billowing out smoke, right? And then they open the door, and there's like there's probably yeah, like that much char on the inside. I was like, this is gonna be legit. So yeah, but it's. It's a wonderful thing to, to be in this area because I do love the barbecue. Yeah. So, you know, I was there a few years ago with my group and uh, we were looking for a hole in the wall place. Uh -huh. uh, slaps barbecue. Oh, squeals, yeah. Squeals like a pig, right? That's that's legit. I actually haven't been there, but a bunch of my, uh, like my sister who visited a, a, a few months ago before everything hit, um, mm -hmm. she went there one night. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, slaps is, slaps is on my list. Uh, it's just like, whew. There's just right. so many, um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. and the cool thing about Kansas city, um, I toured here with a swing band in the, before I opened my shop, maybe I would say like turn of the millennia. And it was a rough, 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 rough town. And mm -hmm. I, it was like, it was like the, even the tour manager was like, you know, you should probably shouldn't leave your hotel room. At night. <laughs> I mean, I was like, come on. And then, you know, it was, it, it was just, the, the city was fighting for some sort of identity. And mm -hmm. uh, since then, when my wife said, oh, maybe we should fly down, um, I went and it, was, it blew me away. I mean, it's yeah. like, there's, who knows what's going to happen post COVID, but mm -hmm. there were there were like 18 jazz clubs. And so you could play and you could play and you could play, um, you know, getting into town. So I, I live in Independence. I'll play a I'll play a gig at and it ends at midnight. We'll say I'm in my garage at twelve fifteen. It's nice. ri it's ridiculous, right? And right. so it's like that sort of, again time. It's mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. And the symphony's gotten significantly better even since when I've gotten here. It's really amazing. The opera's great. There's ballet. Mm -hmm. There's it's a very very hip cultural mm -hmm. like gem i would say um you know well i know in the indie has an amazing symphony as well it's like so it's like it's one of those things that you know like you don't expect you're like oh, okay right. you know i'm gonna go it's gonna be just like 
you know, hole in the wall speakeasies. And then you go to the Kaufman Center and it's like, whoa, what mm -hmm. a beautiful place to play. So, yeah, I do. I do think Indy has sometimes that underestimated, underappreciated reputation. And uh, there's there's an awful lot here. Mm. Um, there's even a bluegrass scene here. That's hip. I mean, well, I don't know if it's hip. It might be. Oh, it is. No, no. I, I, well, I was trying to be funny. It is. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's uh, that it can survive, that there's still right. enough people here to support that is Absolutely. really cool. You know, people are very passionate and supportive of music in this area. Mm -hmm. really are um like i remember my first gig at one of these and there's a couple clubs i, I always have to say this i don't know what's going to happen post this but sure. um there were a couple clubs that you could go and you could play and at the end of the night if you were leading the group the you get the check for the gig and then like two or three days or two or three days later you get an additional check from the tips that people could pay the band Wow. And then often, uh, like, um, often I would get more tips than I would get paid. And, and the pay was decent. It wasn't like, I mean, it's not like, you know, like pop star pay, but it was like for like an improvised trio. It's like pretty legit. Nice. Um, so, and very supportive, very, you know, appreciative of all things music, uh, regardless of style, mm -hmm. uh, hip hop or, or, you know, heavy metal or like funk or classical or jazz. I mean, there really is a, just an incredible diversity of, of music here because the, because the population is so diversified and that's fantastic. So, so I, I miss seafood. I miss my friends. Uh, I miss the ocean. I miss being able to take my bike and like literally I was like, at our old place, we were like maybe two miles away from the ocean so I could bike and just sit there and listen. If there's something to be said about the calming nature of a humongous body of water. Agreed. But um, yeah, they'd say a lake out here and it's like the size of a, <laughs> you know, like a pothole. Right. Um, but um, yeah, but we're really happy here. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you say post COVID and I think it, I can't imagine that it's not going to return and be a little bit stronger. I think people are going to crave that live music experience yeah. again, you know, everywhere from the little jazz trio to the, the full symphony experience. Yeah. Things will have to, I mean, things will change. I mean, you look at like what, you know, for instance, Berlin is, is sort of implementing and like their think forward thinking where they're removing every, you know, one out of four chairs. So there's, mm -hmm. there's space. Um, and maybe it's a mask, mask, you know, concert that you have to deal with. Um, fine. But that experience of ex just the, the feeling of live music, we did um, a concert mostly for the, for my friends who are musicians or who have lost everything. You know, I'm very fortunate because while our sales have, you know, every sales place has, sure. have suffered. Um, we're, we're, we're actually doing quite well, knock on wood, um, mm -hmm. but I know my friends, they're musicians, they have, they have lost everything. So we did a driveway concert and I, I you know, my neighbors were like, uh, set up my PA and, <laughs> and, and it was awesome. And it was the thing about it was like that experience of live music, just mm -hmm. as a, as a musician, of course, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure as a listener too, it was just, it's, you can't, you can't. You can't get it. And 
everybody took that for granted, myself included, because there's 20 jazz clubs and I wasn't getting out to see music mm -hmm. and now I can't. So I think you have a really great point that potentially if once, once, once there's a vaccine, we'll say, and you know that you're safe, um, regardless of mask or anything, that, yeah, you are going to find an incredible support of music. Let's hope that it, it's quicker than, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sooner than later, because maybe that hope subsides and people mm -hmm. get used to the new normal, which is, okay, it's Monday night. Last night was Monday night. Emmett Cohen, one of the world's best jazz pianists, had a con he has concerts in his living room every mm -hmm. Monday night on Facebook. So now you go and you watch. Um, and that was already that was already happening, you know, because everybody's streaming and everybody's putting mm -hmm. their their media out. Oh, you know, that's what our shop does is where we spam and we spam. Um, notice the hands. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it, but it's but I think I think that experience of live music, like I oh, man, I had tickets to go see this and this and this and. I had tickets to 10 Royals games. I'm a huge baseball fan. Mm. Not necessarily the Royals. I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan. So you wait till the Sox come to town then, right? No, I, we, last year I went to all three games. Um, oh, okay. but, I, but, I, but I went to a bunch of games because we live only maybe four miles from the stadium. Nice. So, and I love baseball. I mean, it's just, you know, there's so many things that, you know, when I think of America, baseball is mm -hmm. absolutely one of them. Mm -hmm. um, that, but yeah, it sucks. I mean, I'm, I want to be sitting. I want to be sitting in the ballpark eating a hot dog and and just just talking to friends about absolutely nothing, right? Versus like, hey man, how's your family? Are, is everybody cool? I, you know, do you have any you know people in your family that have gotten sick? And and nowadays, when you're talking to people, I have people in my family who have had COVID um, and recovered, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and some of my really good friends the same thing i've also had some friends who weren't nearly as lucky so mm -hmm. yeah uh i'm sorry this is getting too real too soon no I, no this far, is, i'm sorry this, no apologies this is all gonna stay in here you know so here's a question um sure. you know as much media presence as as musicians have now and you know i i kind of wonder is there a danger that we're giving so much away for free right now that that's Huge. going to become the expectation? Huge. And um, uh, there, is, there are two sides of that coin. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's the, the four stages of a musician, right? You know this? Uh, go ahead. You, I, I, you know, who's Larry Powell, right? Okay. Who's Larry Powell? Get me Larry Powell. Okay. Get me a younger, cheaper, more attractive Larry Powell. And four... <laughs> Who's Larry Powell? Right. So the problem, I haven't I have not heard it in that in that way before. I really like it. It's an East Coast way, I guess. But yeah. But the thing about it is there's two sides. The first side is like what we're trying to do, at least with the shop, and it I think it's helping, is we're trying to maintain as much social activity without being really spammy. And it's right. and we blur the lines sometimes. Um with a musician and with an artist, there's you have to think if you don't play, like if you don't play with other musicians, you might be getting so great at your instrument, but, but forget how to converse. Right. 
You know, like you, 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 you can't feel rhythms with other musicians. You, you're waiting on cues. You're, you're not coming to all that stuff that we work on, be it playing in a jazz quartet or a brass ensemble, it doesn't matter what. Uh, so by being active online and being proactive in terms of like, we're going to schedule our trios or duos, you are keeping that, that, that sort of the part of the creative process going when you start giving things away and yes, we're, I do a concerts maybe once or twice a week with a friend, we do some trio stuff. Um, and we do, you know, it's past the hat and it's mm -hmm. not like a, it's not like a required admission. Uh, Van, the Vanguard in New York just, uh, started, um, streaming that is a paid, mm -hmm. you have to, you buy your ticket and then Great. you can sit and you watch. And I think that it's, is the best way because you are now investing into this performance. You're not gonna be like, oh, cool. Oh, Larry's, I'm gonna watch it. And then you're doing something else. Yeah, right. You You've paid, paid, you paid money for a ticket. You're sitting there, you're, you are as much as you possibly can being immersed into the, the feel of going down, you know, being in the vanguard, you know, going down those stairs of death, you know, like, but, <laughs> So um, it, it's really hard to 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 under, to, to navigate that to, to say okay well you know you're gonna have to pay, um, and then people are like well I have no money how am I supposed to pay so there's the other side it's like you know what the, who are the best supporters of of at least you know let's say art music other than large symphonic music mm -hmm. yeah you know, most of the supporters are are like almost colleagues, like they're either, you know, you know, oh, well, you taught my son trumpet lessons or, uh, you know, I bought your horn at this shop. And when I do gigs in KC, that's where, that, those are the people that come to my show. Right. Or the guys that are in town that have stopped by and they want to hang. Um, so it's hard for me to ask those people that I know have zero income uh, to, to say, hey, man, you know, you know, put 20 bucks in the, in the, in the kitty. Right. right. So... There are articles on each side I've read. Uh, I, I would tend to say we need to probably have an educated decision, like what you can live with. For me, I just want to play. So it's right. bad because I'm taking that money away probably from the artists that, mm -hmm. that desperately need it. So in one way, one of the things, like, um, did you email me about potentially taking a lesson? Is that... No, I wasn't. Okay, me. so this is someone else. You know, like, and I've said this in the past maybe four months or so, you know, because it started coming. I remember doing the TMEA show and, you know, being like really on, on edge because mm -hmm. uh, th that show, COVID just started. And, oh, right. and the first documented case happened at TMEA, was from somebody in San Antonio. So all of a sudden it's like, whoa. And we're at our booth every time we shake someone's hand, we're hand sanitizing you know like um but i remember right after that people started asking me for lessons and i used to do a bunch of lessons on skype and i i said no find a musician that's out of work give them the money oh, uh, as much as i would love to do it uh, and i do uh, but uh, i can't that's another thing it's like i can't in good conscience like take money that maybe someone who's really struggling to to, to find mm -hmm. any source of income Right. That's that's a source. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't know. Yeah, you know, one of the cool things to watch, though, is the innovation that's already happened. And, and well, you know, even in this format alone, Zoom, right? right what is what's transpired here? But then to look at uh, apps like acapella and other formats where, you know, there's still collaboration going on. You're right, though. You're still missing that that vibe that you yeah. get from being right. in the physical space with each other. You know, and it's amazing that the technology can put together an entire orchestra and sync it, right. and it sounds great. But oh right? yeah, the but. It, there's like you know there's that degree of separation no matter how no matter how much you've played with your colleagues for the past x amount of years yeah it's that one thing it's like uh and it's very much the case where i was you know saying to someone recently it's like that feeling of playing live music even if you you're like oh man i sound terrible but it's like this is what it's sort of this is what it feels like mm -hmm. i like this feeling yeah, I hope for it to come back, and it will come back. Um, yeah. It definitely will. I have I have faith uh, because of the scope of what's going on that we have some really brilliant people in this world, and mm -hmm. things will things will change for the best. Well, in um, how many years are we going to look back on this and say, "You remember back in 2020?" Yeah, and when... and, they, and some people might poo poo it, but it's like, and some people might not. Let's see what happens. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like. It, you know, it's it's a teeter totter for sure. So, man, I just sell trumpets, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back from all that stuff. Yeah. So. Hey, that's a great segue. Thank Trent, you. Let's let's talk about selling trumpets. Yeah. <laughs> let's, so, you know, uh, here I want to make a statement before we get into that. Uh, Carl Hammond, uh, Jeff Christiana, Fred Powell, uh, these are people awesome. that you know are are building things in the yeah. industry, who themselves are amazing musicians yes you know i've heard them all play well i haven't heard carl so i, I gotta be careful on that but you know uh, he's i would imagine he's a really fine musician yes but everybody's also producing really top-notch uh, materials i'm gonna talk about that point right now because that's a really good point and i'm gonna show you two sides of the the spectrum um because as, as someone who builds i mean i'm most of our like production is is outsourced uh just because of time but when i i'm getting this is a COVID project behind me where i've got a tracer lathe over there i got my small manual i've got my little tools there mm -hmm. so i've been getting back to hand cutting that that's what how i started mm -hmm. um but uh a lot of cats that i know that are in the business are great trumpet players like when i first heard jeff play at a show i was like <laughs> right yeah, because he's always just standing there and looking great, being very respectable, everything, yeah. right? Um, so that that's amazing. Then the opposite side of the coin, however, is a guy like Neil Adams, one of my buds, and you know he makes all of my instruments. Uh, he doesn't play trumpet that much at all. Mm. In fact, he was a, he was a good musician came from a family of musicians his mm -hmm. brother is a conduct, uh, conductor in orchestras in spain um so on and so forth but he doesn't play trumpet so he relies on people that are much better mm -hmm. to to help promote the development which i think is pretty hip because you're not stuck by the bias of yourself mm -hmm. because for me i 
I've been doing this series of videos and it's been messing up my face like mad where I'm playing every single one of the mouth, the primary mouthpieces oh. we make in our line, be it the huge orchestral style or the tiny commercial things. And I'm like, this is not really a great test, but there's two things that say the same. The trumpet stays the same and the person behind the trumpet stay the same. Mm -hmm. So maybe over the course of listening, people can make a decision on, oh, I kind of like the vibe of that. Mm -hmm. It's not always the best thing, but, but I have a huge bias in terms of what I want equipment to do. So when I'm working on something and a customer goes, well, you know, that sounds cool, but I need a little bit more relief in this area and I need this and this. And I'm like, man, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I know it's not going to work. Right. And then they play and they go, yeah, it's perfect. And I'm like, okay. In some ways right. I'd rather potentially be on the other side, the outside mm -hmm. of the, the glass looking in because then I can get rid of my own bias uh, towards what what works and what mm -hmm. doesn't work. Because mm -hmm. I am not you and you're not me. But, you know, I rely on people like you because I, I mean, I've been playing a long time. I know what equipment I like, but I couldn't tell you anything about the specifics other than I, 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 I blow through the little end and the sound comes out the big end, right? Well, you know, I've just never been a gearhead. You know, but you're, and, and, but you're a guy that plays all over and is professional and all this stuff. What I see in my industry is, boy, I wish, I, and if people are watching and listening, rewind that. Because <laughs> what I see working with customers, um, and I'm not sure if this is just an advent in technology like we were talking with recording. It's like now everybody has the access to 3D print things like that. Oh, yeah. ugly mouthpiece so now is that what that is that is a, yeah hold on yeah. <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to distract you on that oh. <laughs> speak softly and carry a big mouthpiece I oh mean, my gosh i hate to see the trumpet that goes into yeah, right so I can't. it's plastic so you might be able to hold it but um is a 3c equivalent right actually this is my ta1 which it actually kind of looks like it which is a flat rim with a v cup so. your entire face can go in there yeah, I mean, uh, that's my alpha angle. That's my question. So but what that brings me back to that point is that, you know, and I, I understand the the inquisitive nature of, mm -hmm. uh, of trying to discover things to improve the, you know, the efficiency of, of playing. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why our shop exists. We want to make your life easier. That's mm -hmm. it. Um, but when you come in, like, and I've had it, you know, like where someone's like, okay, I've got a flow chart of what I want, a spreadsheet of like all the things that I want. And I'm like, man, how long did it take you to write that spreadsheet? And I'm like, ah, it took two weeks. And then I'm like, well, how much practicing did you do in those two weeks? Well, none. Um, Mark Curry, another great uh, trumpet player who played with Ray Charles and, a, and an incredible mouthpiece maker as well. Um, he said this line, and this is my favorite line when it comes to this. No mouthpiece has ever missed a note on its own. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna make a t-shirt out of that. Yeah, right? And yeah. you know, it, it's totally true. Yeah. Uh, as much as we, I'm not saying anything to, to like, you know, like, oh, you're basically defrauding your, you know, like your own business. No, I'm saying that the work is done in the practice room. Our job is, as we'll call, I say what I do is like a sommelier. Mm -hmm. You know, like where somebody comes in and they're like, I played this and this and this. The, the bad part of my disease being a trumpeter is I've owned every trumpet out there, multiples <laughs> of them. Yes. 
yes. part of the reason the shop exists. Mm -hmm. And I've also played on most mouthpieces. And I still buy other brands of mouthpieces, not for copying. I'm not into copying. The only things I've copied are out like out of print mouthpieces, mm -hmm. say Cat Anderson's mouthpiece, um, and things like that. But I I buy them to learn about them, to see mm -hmm. what 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 they're doing, what the concept you know, okay, what's this back for like? So I can mm -hmm. cut the mouthpiece in half and then, you know, try to make a, a reamer out of that back for, mm -hmm. then I cut it into a couple of my mouthpieces and go, oh, is that good? Uh, no, uh, or okay, but I don't like this insertion depth. So mm -hmm. it, it, it never becomes, even our most popular piece, which is based off of Mount Vernon 3C, started off as four different scans of mm -hmm. those. One, I and then one mouthpiece I cut in half to make the backboard tool, which mm -hmm. I sort of use, but I don't. But, right. um, anyways, we can we can delve super deep into that, which then anybody who's listening will instantly fall asleep. Um, I'm but sorry, what? yeah, exactly. That's my <laughs> that's the right, nailed, exactly. <laughs> nailed, nailed it. But yeah. the point is the, the amount of knowledge versus the amount of you know necessary knowledge. Um, one thing I, mean, I will say definitely, you, if something doesn't feel right, do not play it. I, and mm -hmm. I see that all the time. People come in and they're like, well, you know, I really, I hate how this feels. I kind of like the sound. I was like, okay, you know, sound is still number one issue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody in the audience really gives a flying fig if it sounds good or, I mean, if it feels good. It, right. They only care right. about how it sounds. Um, so I would say to those people, okay. What don't you like? What what are you experiencing? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like almost like you're in your, you know, doctor's office and you're trying to diagnose what's going on. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Then you can watch them play, listen to them play. And by listening, you know, you can hear so many things that are, okay, well, that's just too little cup volume. You, you're overpowering. For da -da 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 -da. There's too much resistance, too little resistance, or, you know, you have thick, fleshy lips and you're playing, you know, uh, 12C, it doesn't make sense. You need better, proper balance. Mm -hmm. I, I go from there. Well, you know, it, I mean, how many times though would the first answer be um, you need to practice more, right? I yes, mean, of it, course. I mean, we're going to say of course, but still, you still see it. I see it in incredible players that I know and idolize that they're playing gear that's actually not optimal. I mean, I'm not going to tell that to them. I'm not going to mm -hmm. tell that. To, I'm not going to mention any names. Oh, come on. Uh, it's just you and me here. You can. Yeah, you of can course. You know, so, uh, you know, I am yeah. definitely not going to mention any names, but I no. think, boy, your life would be so much easier if you did this or this or this. But that's their choice. And maybe a lot of it is what drives <laughs> their concept of, of sound. And, yeah. and, and okay, cool. You know, it, it's ironic. Uh, I wrote a blog piece today. It'll post in a couple of days, but it was about brand loyalty. Sure. You know, and I'm going to play Bach because I've always played Bach. And Bach, Con Selmer still puts out great, so it's not a knock. And, and their new horns right. are really solid. Because yes. they, you know, they were getting their butts kicked by Yamaha. Um, yeah. and, uh, and other companies, Adam Shires, you name it, yeah. Peter Powell, whatever. There's so many good companies, but they were getting their ass kicked. Yeah. So they had to re-examine, but... Uh, well, 
Here we are in the middle of today's interview. Just a reminder that support for this podcast comes from Messina Covers, who has you covered, literally, for all of your custom case needs. The Eastman Music Company, providing excellence from the professional model to the beginner model. And of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now, back to the interview. Keep going. About oh, no, yeah, no, and, and you're, you're right. I mean, that competition drives excellence. You know, when, when, when there are more choices, you have to keep your game up or you have to elevate. So my, my point really in, in that was, uh, you know, the brand's loyalty. It's like, I'm going to play a 3C because that's what I've always played. Or, But, you know, as we get older and things change, and we get better, you know, equipment becomes less efficient or, you know, and I think there are a lot of people who, who don't know what to do and they stick with the equipment because that's all they know. And, yeah. and I, I will say I was in that place for a very long time. Mm. Uh, one thing I will recommend for anybody who is listening, that's kind of thinking about this, uh, another great mouthpiece maker um, that I, I've worked with before I started in doing this crazy stuff um is uh john and phyllis stork from stork custom mm. they wrote a small pamphlet which i think you could still buy on that swiss site uh editions bim the same people that oh, produce, right. uh, that sell the stamp book um it's a small 60 page book called understanding the mouthpiece and i will tell anybody who really wants to seriously consider some sort of gear change before you spend 2000 or $3,000 on mouthpieces that end up as, as fishing lures, mm -hmm. read that or watch videos. I mean, she, uh, Phyllis uh, is just starting to put out some videos. There are a lot of people putting a lot of videos about it and mm -hmm. you always have to, the internet is the wild west when it comes to information. So you, and there is no right answer, be it my answer or you know, Terry Warburton's answer or Phyllis Storks or Carl Hammond, everybody's different and everybody's awesome. You know, it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, the, that's also a confusing part of it. I get it. But uh, having a little bit of knowledge about, okay, what does inner diameter do? Or what does the curvature of the rim do? Or what does changing the throat or the backboard do? Okay, I get it. That's cool. But then eventually you go and and you just don't look at the mouthpiece. I Sometimes we put masking tape on the size and people just play mm -hmm. and then they go, okay, this felt the best. Mm -hmm. um, because you're right, the, the, the loyalty to having a size or the progress, we'll call it the progression, right? Seven, five, three, one and a half, <laughs> which makes no sense. Right. Which makes no sense. Um, uh, when we, I was first doing this, I have a friend who does um, like research for Boeing but he has a couple really awesome high-end CMM machines, which is like a computer. It's basically a diamond tip that measures in, oh, he told me like one-tenth of a micron, which is oh ridiculous. Gosh. And that's what, how I got my digital images to some of my favorite mouthpieces mm -hmm. when I started this. Um, he goes, yeah, man, that one and a half C you sent me is pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, man, that's like my, one of my favorite ones. Mm -hmm. I was like, for some reason, that particular one was so great. He goes, you know what? And I was like, no, he goes, because it's a 5C. It was a miss, <laughs> it was, it was literally a misstamped 5C. Oh my gosh. Uh, and you know, at, at that time, I, this was like 2008 or something. And 
I had, you know, I was sort of starting to kick the tires. I'm thinking about doing some sort of business and get off the road um, type of deal. And I didn't have any of the tools that I have now, like where I can actually see and, and, and mm -hmm. like realize, Oh my God, really? Like, but yeah, we have, you know, we had a couple uh, Mount Vernon, Ten and a halfs that came in the shop. A lot of people go, "Oh, those are really great!" And you know, we buy them with old trumpets, and then we'd measure them. They were three C's, so it's like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Yeah. Nobody's fallible. Every single right. oh, nobody has, and I'll say that right off the bat is that nobody could produce an exact copy. I don't yeah. care how good they are because everything's changed. If today's mm -hmm. humidity changes. Um, the way that the CNC machine is going to cut is different, mm -hmm. you know, then you've got yeah. all these human factors that are still involved with the process. Mm -hmm. Even if you do auto buff, even if you do, uh, I've done did the deep dive in that trying to, right. to make it work really consistent. Um, we're as consistent as anybody in the biz. I wish we could be more consistent, but mm -hmm. we're, we're very happy with our consistency. Mm -hmm. um, but that was another tangent. Sorry. No, that's great. Hey, you know, let's let's talk about uh, uh, what got you into this business. I mean, sure. not not just the playing side. I do want to talk about that, but I want yeah. to know what got you interested in the in shop. It, in the shop was it was kind of cool because um, my mentor was Clark Terry and mm -hmm. Clark. I would go down and hang out. I'm, Boston and New York are pretty. They're drive. It's not right. that hard. So. Uh, I would go down and hang out at his place on Long Island and we'd, you know, have lessons. Well, I'd have lessons and we'd just shoot the breeze for a weekend at a time. Well, he was getting ready to move. So he called me down. He's like, hey, you come down. I got a couple things for you. I was like, oh, cool. So I drove down five hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I pull up and he's got a shoebox and he's like, here, and I'm rattling it. And I pull it, I open the shoebox and I go, what's this? And he goes, oh, that was that was one of Miles's old mouthpieces. And then I go, okay, cool. What's this? Oh, that was Izzy's mouth. This was Charlie Shaver's mouth. This was this Roy. This is a piece that Roy played, but he didn't really like it. So he gave it to me. So they were all geeking out too uh, back in the day with a lot less, you know, technological information, but there were some incredible makers still. Um, so I had all these designs that I knew that weren't really out other than like direct copies, I was like, well, what makes Clark's mouthpiece, Clark's mouthpiece? Oh, and I, I was like, oh, that not, most people aren't going to want to play that. But what if I made it this and this and this and change this? And that ended up being this, not in this format, but it ended up being the TA1. And that's what started. So mm -hmm. at that what time, year, what year was that? That was I started this in 2008. So then I bought CAD software um, and my dad and I sat um, down together for a week or so. And we learned CAD, the basic drawing aspects mm -hmm. of the software. Cam part. Ugh. But um, then I outsourced a few of my designs to try to get made uh, to a, a couple companies here in the US, mm -hmm. uh, a couple companies in Europe and a couple companies in Asia. And Whatever. That sort of led to, okay, well, I've got something here that works. Um, I'm going to sell mouthpieces, but I'm not going to do it as a, as a business. Mm -hmm. I then signed on as an Adams artist, and they asked me to work the Midwest show in Chicago for them, just the booth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, fine. They're like, well, you know, we'll pay your way and, you know, we'll take you out. It'll be cool. Mm-hmm. You get to meet people. And I was like, all right. So I went and we sold like six horns and they were like, oh, wow, you're kind of good at this. And I was like, really? I don't know. I'm not... <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. I mean, they're like, you know, you're really good at this. We, we, we've only sold one horn in the United States. It was to me. Um, you know, that's not necessarily true because they had, you know, worked with U.S. artists uh, at like North Sea and things like that. But um, so I was like, okay. They're like, you should open a shop. And I was like, nah, I have no interest. Although I'm getting kind of sick of, you know, packing my suitcase and going on these little, you know, podunk tours, even though I love right. seeing the country and the world. Um, they're like, if you do open your business, we'll give you exclusive for Adams for a couple years. And I know how huge their percussion is. That's all mm-hmm. distributed through Pearl percussion. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll start all, all over my shop. So mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, basically the start of it. And then I had, you know, sort of fixed horns for, for students in the past where I'd go on eBay and I'd buy a horn for a really low price, fix it up, make a hundred or a couple hundred bucks and get them a really good horn at a low price. So I was like, well, why can't that same model work, but just in a slightly larger scale? Mm -hmm. So that's when, you know, we started the idea of like, well, maybe we can do a shop. So the shop opened in 2010, Mm -hmm. April of 2010, Um, it's 10 years. Whoa, I didn't really think about that. So um, yikes, I am old, but, um, and, now, uh, yeah, where we have companies all over the world that make horns for us, either mm-hmm. to our specs, like the Adams, uh, AC, it's actually the ACD by Adams Copernicus, um, which we just got one in, but it's already sold and going to a customer tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or my, our really inexpensive horns that we get from a factory in China. And then we just, then once we get them and we have like 550 arriving in a week or so. Wow. Um, yeah. It's crazy. And uh, I don't know where I'm going to put them. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, like a couple hundred are pre-sold. So, you know, we'll Good. be able to, to get those to our customers who have been more than patient. But I think they understand like when you couldn't get anything from China right. for three months, nothing was shipping in and out. There's not much I can do. Right. But then we get those instruments in and we do a lot of work to them, you know, clean them, do pro- uh, valve alignments, new lead pipe modifications, gap adjustment. Mm-hmm. I could tell you more, but those are proprietary. But uh, lots of tweaks and still give that, like the flugelhorn, we just had to raise the price because um, there was a point where, be it the, the tariff war that we were having with China, mm-hmm. um, it got to the point where uh, the uh, administration will say, I'm not going to go any further. Uh, decided to do a 15% tariff on instruments when the old tariff was 3.9%. So that was was a little bit of a a kick in the pants and this orders from that. So we had to raise our, we raised our price about uh, seven or 8%, I think, um, just because we hadn't raised our price anymore, which sucks. We don't want to do it, but there comes a point where it's like, you know, we spend two, three hours on each horn. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, that's man hours, you know, that that money has to come somewhere. unfortunate nature of the business we try to still um keep it as low as possible and thankful i'm so thankful for being in kansas city during this pandemic because if our shop was in boston we we might not have made it through 
yeah. uh, just because I didn't pay myself for three months. Um, I was paying my employees. And uh, for the first month or two, sales did the, did the, mm-hmm. did the old nosedive. But uh, since then, we're fine and everything's good and we're, good. we're, we're churning and burning. So it's great. But um, I don't know if that answered that question. Yeah, so, and very well. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So, no, it, it, still awake it, out there. <laughs> this is going to be great. So uh, let's t- let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the playing side of things. And sure. obviously, you're still playing because you've already talked about that. But uh, yeah. where'd you start? Uh, what what have you done? You had mentioned touring with big bands, swing bands. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like for my business, it's it's it it really is one of the big selling points our shop has is that every single one of my employees is a fine musician. Um, our trombone specialist is in two or three of the orchestras in the KC area. Um, you know, my shop foreman is a great, uh, you know, improvising trumpeter. It's like, um, so it's important because they have, you know, when you call a store and you're expecting some sort of semblance of an educated response, how many times have we called like a pro audio store and called and the person's like, uh, what do you, you want to buy a speaker? What's a speaker? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're a pro shop in its, you know, most, you know, concise definition. So we can actually help you. Oh, this is what you played. Oh, we played that. Maybe you want to try this or this again, that Salmon A. But, um, playing wise, uh, I went to school to play trumpet. I went to University of New Hampshire on a classical trumpet scholarship of all things, which I don't play classical music much at all anymore because this is this takes mm-hmm. up too much of my time. Mm-hmm. But um, um, I went to UNH one, for two reasons. One, they gave me a full scholarship. Thank goodness. I was so lucky. <laughs> two, Clark was involved at the school two uh, weeks out of every semester at that time. Um, by the end of my four years, he was only doing one week per semester. And eventually that even pared down as his health continued to deteriorate. Um, and the great thing about that is that when CT was in at UNH, he's he was like the, the hang of the hangs. I mean, he hung hard, but he liked hanging at night. So he would do his teaching. He would go back to his room and take a nap. Maybe he'd have to play, but maybe just rehearse. Then we'd eat a dinner and then we'd go back to his hotel and maybe shed, maybe hang, maybe watch a video, like just, and just really fun. Um, just talk stories all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, CT still, I mean, I got a, um uh pictures of him in my shop and mm-hmm. and his uh his uh star in the st louis walk of fame mm-hmm. is right there so um but uh you know ct was the the best trumpet player i've ever met and i've hung with a lot of great trumpet players i mean mm-hmm. and, and what i mean by that is like the the absolute quintessential you want to learn what a armature should look like clark terry because it's just an effortless setup mm-hmm. beautiful relaxed firm just just beautiful but um and he could play anything there's recordings of him playing lead trumpet um there's recordings of him playing f's above double high c on recordings on flugelhorn by the way which is kind of weird but it's still totally awesome and um just like the highest compliment i can ever give to any musician is that i can tell them in one note you know be it eric clapton or bb king you know or renee fleming it doesn't matter you know who that is, mm-hmm. you know, Stevie Wonder, you go on, CT was that, it fits that, you know, mm-hmm. perfectly. But um, so 
he was sort of my teacher teacher like a life teacher more than mm -hmm. anything um and we developed a, a good friendship um you know he's always my mentor every note i play is for him um but then I got out of school and I just, I did, I followed the track where everybody told me to, which is, okay, now you need to go to grad school. Um, and I was like, well, okay, uh, I don't really know why, but I'm going to go to grad school. So I ended up getting a scholarship to DePaul. Uh, and then I actually, like a month before, I was like, I don't want to move to Chicago. I love Chicago, but mm -hmm. I'm a, I, I was an East Coast guy and I was going to be too far away from my family. So I actually pulled out. I'm sorry. Sorry, DePaul. Sorry, Bob. Um, but you know, well, no, my loss, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, but um, what a great town that would have been. And especially to be a, you know, uh, improvising musician, what a great place. But mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, splitting time between Boston and New York and playing sessions in New York, getting my ass kicked by the world's best musicians, then like gigging in Boston, because that's where I was playing. Eventually I ended up moving full-time to Boston and um, I started teaching college, actually. Um, I taught nine years at the University of Southern Maine, and that was awesome. But I just, once the shop started, mm -hmm. something had to go. Right. Um, and I did do graduate school work in Boston afterwards. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, you, know uh, you mentioned Clark Terry, and of course, uh, there are two names that I think come up in most of my interviews. Uh, Vince DiMartino is one. Oh, yeah. And Clark Terry's another one, you know, just Can you tell of, me a bigger fan of the trumpet than Vinny? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, best, literally. Right? I mean, well, I mean, and not and just some, the trumpet, but, you know, he's such an encouragement to everybody yeah. that plays the trumpet. And what band did he play in when he was young? Well, yeah, with Clark, right? <laughs> I always call him Karate Chops because there's that video of him playing and he sounds magnificent. Right. Uh, you know, him playing lead trumpet and playing great solos. Was that uh, that old black and white video? Yep. Is that the, yeah, yep. right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, where they do shell game and things like that. It's like, it's killing. And, and Vince sounds amazing. But, um, but uh, I always call him Karate Chops. And again, <laughs> he is just he is what Clark is you know I mean mm -hmm. it's, and it's not it's not coincidental I mean it's it's you know we've been blessed by being able to to be in the come in the in greatness mm -hmm. you know so uh, and Vince is just I mean he's the best I mean literally um you know every time he's in Kansas City he'll come in and stop in and when he was in Boston he would stop and he stayed at our place I mean like, and I, I don't know Vince a ton, but we ha he's bought a bunch of horns from me because we're both gearheads. He'd be like, hey, I saw that you had this, man. And, you know, but, but great, positive, yeah. beautiful people. And that's the thing. It's like, you have a choice. You have a choice. When you wake up in the morning, you have a choice of, you know, bitching and moaning and complaining about life because, yeah, life is not easy for anybody. I get it. <laughs> this is this is 100% true but mm -hmm. this is what my wife would say you can choose to have a good day exactly I mean, it's as simple as that no matter what bs flies at you and trust me i get letters from you know the secretary of state you know and you know my accountants and all this stuff mm -hmm. that that those are not good parts of my day mm -hmm. um but you still have to deal with it you know, just like my basement flooded two weeks and it wasn't just water. So it's like, oh, you know, no. you deal with it. What else? Right. Are you going to ignore it? Uh, you know, that's probably not going to be the best, mm -hmm. <laughs> best thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, but it's life. Life, 
you know, throw, sometimes throws you a changeup, you know. Just hope it's not a Pedro changeup from 1998. So, so. I'm going to have to look that reference up. Pedro Definitely. Martinez. Best, no. best, I mean, Pedro Martinez was the Hokan and Winton uh, of pitching from a five-year, six-year stretch. It was the most dominant thing I've ever seen in my life. You, and we're talking like, so in the 1999, okay, okay, I'm going to go there, but 1999 All-Star game was in Boston. And we're talking, this is the height of the steroid era. So the first six batters on the National League team were like Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, um, and a couple other like Vladimir Guerrero and like just like the best, literally the best of their, their time. He struck out all six of them. And he was just like, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a, it was a point. He went, right. he, he then went on the DL for like two weeks. He was a very small guy. So he, he got injured quite easily, but, but he was still the most dominating mm-hmm. pitcher. The, the thing that made him dominating is the thing looked exactly the same, you know, so he threw a 97 oh. mile an hour fastball or 79 mile an hour changeup. So you'd see these guys, it's like that Bugs Bunny you know, cartoon where they're spinning themselves into the ground. Right. They just like, what the heck happened? So it's always awesome, be it to watch, you know, like, you know, fortunately I grew up in Boston, like during like a height of Boston sports. I'm sorry if you're a Colts fan, you know, even though you guys got us a couple times. Um, but yeah, you uh, know what though, but you guys had Larry Bird and I've always been a Larry Bird oh, fan too. And Larry Bird is like, I mean, the thing I remember about Larry Bird is, uh, one, I got him to autograph a napkin when I was in the same hotel with him once. Nice. That was really cool. He was super nice. And uh, now I don't ask for people's autographs, but <laughs> I was like 11, okay? Right. Um, two, the thing I remember, this is actually a series against the Pacers of all things. Mm-hmm. Chuck Person, the rifleman. Oh, yeah, right. He was playing for the Pacers. <laughs> great, great, great yeah. ball player. I think it, I don't know if Reggie Miller had started yet for, um, for the Pacers or not, but I, I think he might have just started. But this is the series, uh, the playoff series where Bird was in so much pain. He had to, when he was not playing, he was laying down on the side of the court. I mean, he had so much back pain. Yet the team needed him and he scored 45 points. It's like when Michael Jordan had the flu and he's literally in halftime throwing up the entire halftime. He comes back out and he hit, he shoots for 48 points against the, the Jazz. It's like, True greatness will rise above everything. Mm-hmm. Same with music, you know, same with musicians. I mean, I played a gig with CT and he went into the hospital that night, um, just having, you know, intense pain. Um, and he actually ended up needing back surgery. This is early nineties. And you wouldn't, I was standing next to him and I knew he was in pain because he was like, oh but man, he put his horn up and it was straight fire. It was like, damn. <laughs> And he's like, man, people don't give a shit. I'm, I'm not going to swear. So I, 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 can, I can bleep you out if you do. So no, worries. no, pe- people don't give a, mm, I beat myself if I feel good or not. They paid their money. They're here right. to hear me perform at my best, you know, which I hands off to all those touring musicians. I mean, everybody thinks the touring lifestyle is so great uh, until you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this too. And you're like, it wears bus, plane, bus plane, bus plane, crappy hotel, terrible food, you know, like still awesome. I'm still awesome. I'm not complaining, but it's not the glamorous life that you think it is, even for the best stars in the world, you know. 
Um, well, how many have had to uh, cancel a tour because, you know, their voice is given out? Right. You know, I mean, or, or they have to cancel a show at least because of yeah. that. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, none of my podcast interviews so far have, have been gear talk. Okay, but, good. But it's, like, but it's like we couldn't avoid it here because of this course. is, but it's what you do. But it, I'm but it, head, I'm sorry. So. No, no, but we didn't, we didn't uh, descend into, uh, you know, comparing, hey, I, I play a 3C. What do you, you know, I mean, what, well, maybe we did size, a little bit. What shoe size do you wear? Uh, the right size. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. And if it takes you, a while, and that's still the bigger thing is like, if it takes you a while to find the right size, how, I, I think maybe probably 75% of people who are wearing sneakers are put, putting on the wrong size oh, yeah. on their feet. And what takes all the weight of your body during the day? Uh, your feet. So, okay. You, but we, we, we're just like, whatever, I think I'm this. Well, okay, you might do the same thing with your mouthpiece. And you might not get, you probably get the same result as wearing a size too big on your, or small on your shoes. Right. Um, but that that brochure, it talks about certain things about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it talks about, OK, well, if you have this and you're experiencing this, this is probably the reason. It's not always the case because I've seen it almost switch over so many times. But there's some broad brushstrokes that are, are really lovely in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a friend of mine called me, a friend of mine called me the king of the trumpet geeks, which I'm not sure I like or not, but it's probably I'm not sure I'm king, but. Well, I, might be, I might be secretary of the interior. So. Or, or, or you're part of royalty somewhere along the line. Oh, right? no, way. Sort of... <laughs> no way. So yeah. far from it. Yeah. Man, this has been really great. You know, awesome. it's uh, for not having met before. Um, I mean, it's it's been we got to change that. We're not that far away now. So no, once COVID not. gets done, swing around or I'll swing up, you know. Okay. So we're going to have to go to slaps and we're going to have to get burn ins. That's. That, I mean, that, that is, you don't even have to, first of all, you don't even have to ask that. So, but I might take it LCs instead of slaps though, because yeah. LCs, the, the burn ends at LCs are pretty on point. Okay. Well, or you know what? I, I'm, I'm willing to uh, do some comparison. There you uh, go. <laughs> As I so. say, you must make the snack replace. Oh my gosh. There's another t-shirt right there. There you go. <laughs> so I give it to uh, you. Now, the way this had first started out was I usually started interviews by asking, Hey, what does the HFL stand for? Higher, faster, louder. Yes. But I've changed that. Okay. Uh, just recently to hear from legends. Oh, well you've got the wrong person here. No, 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 no. Well, you know, if that's the case, then we'll stick with higher, faster, louder. Okay. That's good. You can, you can put that. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. So no, this has been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, sitting here. Talking Anytime, to you. man. Thanks and, for the opportunity. Uh, always, always blessed and thankful for every opportunity I can spew nonsense on people's ears for a while. Yeah. So you know uh, Dave Messina, Erica Howard, Messina covers. Do you? Know I don't them know all? them well, but I knew I. I'm, we've chatted at at the trade shows. Yeah. 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 Great, great products that they're putting Absolutely. out. But uh, they started 3D printing uh, masks, and oh, so I think I saw Erica. She put that yeah. on her Facebook. So and that's I bought smart. a couple of those and they're great, but you know, 3d printed and you know, it's anyways, I'm just amazed at what can be printed. It's, it's, I think that's great that an entrepreneur would see what's happening, you know, see like, okay, we need to do a pivot and we need to do a pivot quick or else blah, 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 blah. Um, 
you know, we are very, very fortunate because our shop sort of model has been more outreach anyway. So we weren't worried about the local kids coming in and we weren't worried about the mm. band programs not ordering or the military bands not ordering. So like I said, while our stuff is trickled down, it's like, okay, our philosophy is this, it's like the more active we can be when people are ready to come back and maybe they have disposable income, they can come and they can, they'll be like, oh yeah, what's that, what's that bald cats, you know, place, oh yeah. So, you know, and maybe they, and maybe they, you know, help us, but um, at the very least, we're, we're trying to stay alive, you know, like anybody else. And that's the right. most important thing. So, right. yeah. and it's good to hear about the mask because yeah, down yeah. here, down here, I don't know how it is in Indy. Um, there's a lot of people not wearing masks here. It's, it's surprising. And, uh, you know, going out uh, into town for whatever yeah. it's, you see, um about half and half but okay even then people are so close right you know and it's yep. like we're not there yet people no <laughs> you know and, and, and it sucks and i totally get it i mean it's like we're all feeling that we're all feeling it and um um i we've we're, we're still trying to decide when we actually have people back in it's like but i'm like i've got to take my i've got to keep my employees safe i mean as much mm -hmm. I mean, we're losing money. I mean, it's like, it makes no sense for me to, I need to be reopening, you know, like, but I need them to be safe. That's, yeah. the, that's the only thing that matters is because it's like, I can't even think about like, if somebody, not only that, but say I'm sick and somebody comes in and I get them sick, mm -hmm. that, that no bueno. So, you know, <laughs> I'd say until, I mean, you know, until the vaccine's ready, it's like, things are going to be, kind of like this and no i would agree but and, thank and for, for people like you who are at least giving people an opportunity to escape the the time and you know like at least i mean we're mm -hmm. talking about it now but but like at least turn their minds off of what's really mm -hmm. happening and mm -hmm. go hey let's talk about stuff you know yeah you know yeah just so, like i interviewed christian scott on friday and it got super intense really too, yeah it's it's on our shop page um it's a it's it's a discussion about race you know and like the you know mm -hmm. a lot of my inadequacies you know and ignorance i mean that's really what it is mm -hmm. and how and that's why we had it because i was like man i can't be the only person that thinks that they're cool and they're not cool so uh so but we're all working in progress and that's you know, the most beautiful thing about life i i'm interviewing uh byron stripling on friday Maybe you should and ask him it, maybe before. Can we talk about some stuff? Well, you know, I wonder if that's going to come up. And and we connected on Facebook, and he said, "Hey, I'm hardly ever on here. Here's my email." I emailed him this morning. I mean, I I, I want to interview interview everybody. Like you said, you know, getting right. what you say around the world, one person at a time. Is that how? Yeah, you, right. That's right, uh, baby. You know, but I think it's important to hear his perspective, maybe on what's going on. You know, we we could sit and talk about all the great things he's done as a trumpet player, but so, you know, like the thing about Christian I, that I felt so, in, you know, important is like I have you have the same powers that we have now. Power of there's you have a following, mm -hmm. and you know as long as you don't feel like you're gonna piss off somebody, um, I and I felt like I was going to actually, mm -hmm. and I but honestly it's like I don't really care. 
because this is important stuff that everybody needs to hear. And if you don't hear it, that's fine. That's your choice. Um, I don't know. It's like, I'm, I feel like my mom felt like in the seventies, it's like it, we're fighting it's time to fight and it's time to stand up for things that are right. So is that conversation archived? Can I go to yeah, your site if, and find If you that? go to the ACB Facebook page, it's pinned yeah. to the top. And Great. it's literally two hours long. And it's intense. There's some really yeah. intense things. So I will yeah. say, you know, like, and there's F-bombs and other stuff flying out there. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. But yeah. it's, uh, I feel like a month or six weeks ago, I had an, like, somewhat of an awakening. Like, wow, everything I've learned about, you know, history has been skewed on such a far side that I need to at least balance that, you know, and yeah. it's been enlightening, you know, it's, it's cool. It's one of these things with COVID. It's like, you know, okay, we can read more. Okay. Yeah, sure. I can work out more. Okay, sure. But it's like, this is something like, okay, I can make time. So every night mm -hmm. I'm doing some reading and I'm doing some, you know, like YouTube is such an amazing source of information. It's everything's there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Best thing is that, you know, at least I can make some sort of educated decision, even if it's maybe against certain things, you know, you know, man. Uh, thanks again. My it's been a real treat. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. You bet. Ciao. You later. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Tune in next week for another great interview. And one last reminder that you can help support this podcast by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studio HFL. Your support would be most appreciated. And another special thanks to Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and Pickett Blackburn for their support of this podcast. Thanks again. Now, go practice. <laughs>